It's a joy to have with us Brother Bruce Hefner and his wife again. And it was just about a year ago that he first came here at Calvary and ministered uh, beautifully to us. And he is going to do some illusions this evening to illustrate the gospel uh, and play that wonderful uh, trumpet as well. And so without further delay, would you please welcome Brother Bruce Hefner again. I, I don't know if it's going to be a wonderful trumpet or not. We're waiting to see. This morning, our brother loaned, loaned me his beautiful silver horn that played, uh, that almost played itself. It was beautiful. Now, this summer, I was at a camp meeting and uh, met a, a retired pastor that I knew for many years and asked him, what did you ever do with your old horn? And he said, it's been sitting in the attic for 20 years. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I would like to do is I would like to do in the Bahamas what we've done in Hungary and some places in Europe. Um, I'm looking for someone to donate me a horn that we can fix up and make playable again and take to that nation and then leave it there. And don't you know uh, that Pastor Brooks Solberg then the next night brought this horn to me and it played OK for being, you know, in the attic for 20 years. And I've taken it apart. I've washed it. I've oiled it. I've greased it up and everything. And it still doesn't work. So uh, I'm going to try to play it. Uh, the valves keep sticking on me because uh, I guess they got corroded on the inside. I don't know what's going on. So, you know what? If a note goes sour or something, just smile. Say, well, that's the way it is. Bless his heart for donating this horn. I'm going to try to play a song uh, that you probably know. The Lord, I lift your name on high and... Sing along. Go ahead, fellas. Lord, I lift your name. Tonight we sing praises. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you came to save us Because you came to heaven to earth To the strong way From the earth to the cross My dead to pay From the cross to the grave From the grave to the sky Lord, I lift your name on Great to the sky. 
It actually played and vows didn't stick and everything seemed to work. Um, so we're going to do some special things. The stick I have here. We're going to uh, have a portion for the young people and the young at heart. And uh, I like when you say that because that's what I am. My favorite weeks of the year are children's camp, children's retreat, when we just get to hang with kids. And uh, here's what we hope will happen. We're hoping that the flame of the righteousness of God will begin to burn in some hearts. So we'll understand some things this morning. And that anything that would take root in our hand, root in our heart, root in our heads, would just blossom and flow and become a beautiful thing for the years ahead. And so let's get started, okay? Hey, I see you have some friends up front now. That's good. Thank you guys for coming up front. That's good. A lovely rose for my young and lovely assistant, Deb. Let's hear it for Deb. <laughs> she doesn't really like that. You know, we were thinking and, and, and we're already preparing for our camp next summer, but here's the message we're going to be taking to the schools. For the next uh, 30 minutes or so, what we're going to do is take the same message that we will be taking to 10 schools. Um, where are we heading tomorrow? Spanish Wells, and then I don't know where they're, where they're going there. But as Pastor Lee told you this morning, we stand amazed, and we, we really are, at the wonderful freedom. And this is, I think, Religious Education Month uh, here in the islands, and so we're a part of that in the schools. And so the same message that you hear tonight is what we're going to be taking to about 2,000 uh, young people over the next uh, 10 days or so. I'm very, 
I'm so excited about that. Um, had I even attempted this in my hometown, um, I would not be halfway through the program till I would be arrested. It's just that crazy at home right now. And so we just thank God, really. I, I don't know if you realize how blessed you are in that regard. I know every nation has its difficulties and its trouble and its crime and its uh, you know safety issues. We have them, you have them. But I'm just so grateful tonight that we had this opportunity to share with children from all kinds of walks of life, all kinds of homes, all kinds of situations, that there is hope. There is hope for their future. God has said um, that he wants to give them a future, Jeremiah 29. And uh, that it's uh, his plans for them are not for evil, but for good. And so we're just going to take that. So beginning right now, we're going to go into that mode. The first thing that I want to do, though, is just for a little bit of fun, because it has to do with this part of the world. Not actually the Bahama nation, but um, I read this story one year ago while we were here about a man by the name of Sam Lord who lived in Barbados. And Sam Lord was a reverse pirate. This is a true story. This isn't part of the magic or something. This is a true story. Sam Lord would lure the pirates into the coast near where he lived, where he had all of his men stationed, and he would wait until the ship would come. He lured them falsely into a dangerous place. They would hit the rocks. Most of the time, the boat would either capsize or just sink, you know, get torn up. And there they were, the pirates. They were caught. They were stuck. And Sam Lord's men would then take all the goods. And so, kind of a reverse pirate. I don't know what to call him. So uh, Sam Lord built this uh, mighty uh, palace uh, there in Barbados, and I don't. You, you're invited afterwards because I know this is difficult to see. I plastic coated it for travel and so forth. This is his castle. This is called Sam Lord's Castle. This is where he lived, and this is where many treasures and riches were were stored with his men and his guards and so forth. And one year ago, while we were here, I read on the internet. What happened to Sam Lord's castle? And all of his riches perished because it went up in flames. That's the actual picture of the real night that his castle burned down. There it is. So there's the riches man built, and there's what happened to it. Well, we're going to talk tonight about riches that last. The treasure that we can have. But you know what? I bought a little model with me of Sam Lord's castle. And... Uh, I know it doesn't look exactly the same, but there it is. And imagine that you were looking for treasures and you said, man, I want to go to Sam Lord's castle and I want all the things of the world and I want all the cool stuff. But guess what? There's just nothing in there. But imagine that you said, well, you know what? I really wish, I really wish that I could go and, and see at least a treasure chest. Wouldn't it be cool if we could see a treasure chest? Wouldn't that be cool? Um, okay, well, let's just see. Oh, wait a minute. There's something in there. Looks like a treasure chest. It is a treasure chest. Oh, man, I can't wait to see what's in it. Man, let's just see what's in it. Oh, oh. nothing. It's empty. Just like Sam Lord's actual treasures that burn and perish, they're not there. This one is empty. Wow. Wow. Wouldn't it be cool, though? If we could take this treasure chest and put it back in Sam Lord's castle, at least the model I have. And matter of fact, let me take the castle away so you can actually see the treasure chest. All right. And wouldn't it be neat if we could open it up and actually see some of the treasure that he might have had? Wouldn't that be cool? 
Well, let's open that empty box. Now, I'll just see what's in here. Oh, maybe a little bit of treasure that, uh, wow. That Sam Lord piled up as he raided those pirate ships, and here it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And, uh, wow, it wasn't empty after all. That's what we call illusion, folks. That uh, is the kind of thing that uh, we want to use to teach the gospel to kids this summer. And there it is, a pile of beads and gems and treasure. Um, and we know that the Scripture teaches us that there is a treasure for us to find. It's hidden from most of the world. They think it's empty. They won't believe in it. But guess what? There is a treasure hidden. The Bible says that in Jesus himself, we find all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means in his body was all the treasure, the wisdom, the things that we can know, the things that will save us in life, the things that will give us life, all in Jesus. So we're going to talk and look about treasure tonight. But first, I want to show you, I always want to promise what's next here. Okay, how illusions are done are just some things. Illusions have to do with the eyes. What you see and what you think you're seeing. So, you know what? I just, I'm going to start with this, this little, this is a regular playing card. All right? And we have this card, and I'm going, this is a little box. You'll see why in just a second. We just stick it in there so you can actually see it coming in. All right? Everybody see this? And there's the card. Just inside. We're going to move it over to the other side. And this is illusion now. Everyone knows this can't really happen. What I'm going to do, I think what I'm going to do is just take the middle part. And take it out. Just move it to the other side. And maybe stick my finger through there or something. You know, now that can't happen, can it? Of course not. It's illusion. You think you're really seeing that, don't you? Well, you are because I'm manipulating something here. I'm not going to tell you how this one is done. But I'm just manipulating it. It means that I have learned something that I'm not telling you. And when I learned it, I knew how to make this look like that card was actually coming apart. But actually, you know, everybody knows. Just a regular old card. All right. That's called illusion. Now, now, now that you know illusion, it's not magic. Pastor mentioned something about that this morning. Magic having to do with things of the underworld and spirits and so forth is something that we are taught in the scriptures. Stay away from it will destroy you. I am not doing magic. I don't know how to do magic. I would not want to do magic. I run from magic. We are doing illusion. I bought this thing. I paid money for it so that someone could teach me how to make that look like the cards moving around. Okay, there's actually another card inside that I'm moving around. Okay, but don't tell anybody. I don't want them to know because that's a cool trick. Okay, all right. So everything is illusion. And I want to show you one right now. It's going to call behind the scenes because I'm going to take you behind the scene. And uh, that's with this little box right here. This is so cool. This is just a, a box. I'm going to show you how it works in just a second. Um, it's a box with the little nice hanging curtain. And I need a couple of pieces to make this work. The first piece I need is just a piece of wood that has a nice coloring on it. And the thunderbolt just looks so magical. It looks so cool. And we just, there's a slot in here. We set it in there. And we have a second one. All right. And we're going to set it in the front. So maybe you can see there's a little hole in there where we're going to put this card. All right. We're going to just drop this card in here. And when I drop this card in here, this is right between the two. This is so cool. We very carefully drop this card in there. And then we say, let's make it vanish. And I do some magical looking whatever, make my fingers wiggle. 
shake a little bit. It's a big magic trick, and boom, we take it away, and we take it away, and the card is gone. Doesn't that look cool? Where do you think the card is? Where do you think it is? You think it's where? They think the card's behind the... What? What? They think the card's behind the curtain. How? Where would you get an idea like that? Yeah. Oh, oh, I just gave it away. Yeah. Yes, you're exactly right. I didn't really slip it anywhere except between those two pieces of wood. And it went right down and caught there. And this hit it from whenever you see a magician, an, an illusionist do stuff, you know he's hiding something. That's why it's called illusion. It's the eyes. And so there you go. Isn't that cool? That's just how... How many of you could do this little trick? Put your hands up. You're not that crazy. Of course you could. All you have here's your skill level. There you go. That's all the skill you need to do. And and there we go. So now that you know, that's called behind the scenes because you're looking behind the curtain when we drop it down. There it is. Now let's do it one more time since you know what's coming. We take one of the wood pieces, put them in the back. Take the other wood piece, put it in the front. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, we take this card and we just drop this card in between very carefully. Let it go down. Now, wouldn't it be cool? I mean, you know that it's there, right? We, we already know that the card is there. Okay. But wouldn't it be neat if somehow we could just make that card vanish? Wouldn't that be neat? Once you say, man, that guy's good. Once you say that, shake your, let me hear you. Let's, let's practice that, okay? Man, that guy's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's only, you know, you know, I can't really do that. But I, that would be neat to hear. But yeah, we know the card is there. You know how the trick is done. But it would really be amazing if I could just go with, through those motions again, maybe shake a little bit, maybe flake my fingers and take the wood away and show the people that there's no card there. And then somehow, magically... Make the card vanish. What would you say? Man! That, yeah, I love that. So, so, so there we go. Uh, that's called behind the scenes. A little bit of how you, how, how these things work. I, I showed you part of it, but I didn't show you all of it, okay? Cause that's what makes it so fun. So we're gonna do some fun things like that. That as Pastor said this morning, maybe it fools us. And we don't see it all. It's just illusion. It's so important for for you to know that. But what we want to do is start teaching what the Word of God says through illusion. The Bible tells us some amazing things. It likens the Spirit of God. It likens the work of God to... Where did I put that? Right here. Watch this. Nearly enough. Wow. Look at that. The sword of the Lord, you might call it. The flaming righteousness that God said is His Word. The sword that is sharper than two edges that burns eternally. We hope to light a flame in people's hearts from the sword of the Lord, which is the Word of God. Isn't that cool? That's a good sword. But it's not as powerful as the Word of God. Now, I want to show you something. 
speaking of illusions and speaking of the Bible, many of you have seen this little thing before. We actually hand it out as an evangelistic tool. I made a bigger version tonight so that you could all see this, okay? I have two cards here, all right? And I'm just going to hold them up, and I want you to respond and tell me which one do you think is bigger. Which one looks bigger? Which one, young man? The black one. That would be exactly right. Do you all see that? Does it look bigger to you? Maybe, you know, let me put it this way, okay? Uh, Wait a minute. Which one looks bigger? Yeah, the green one looks a lot bigger to me. Yeah. What did you say? You said the black one? I did what? Whichever one I put on the bottom. Well, let's see if that works. If I put this on the bottom, it does look bigger, doesn't it? If I put this on the bottom, it does look bigger. Let's do side by side. This does look bigger. Well, let, right. Oh, my goodness. It does. It does. You figured it out. This is called an optical illusion. God has created our eyes in such a magnificent way that man can't really understand it. It's so complicated, and this is one of the things that fools our eyes. It's called an optical, that means eyes, illusion. So now we see that one looks bigger this way. Now it looks smaller. Now it looks bigger. It's just an illusion. Speaking of the eyes, you know, how many of you would give me your eye if I offered you a million dollars? You'd be a fool to do it, wouldn't you? What if I offered you $20 million for both eyes and you'd be blind? A hundred million. No, because what is worth your eye? Nothing is worth the gift of sight that God gives to our bodies. Nothing is worth the gift of sight into his word that God gives our hearts. You know, speaking of eyes, if we, if we did something like that, you know that God says, by the way, let me give you the answer first. These are exactly the same size. Exactly the same size. I cut them myself and made sure I was very careful because I wanted to illustrate the illusion, the optical illusion that comes and talk about our eyes. Jesus said by comparison now, when he said one time, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. He was just talking in terms of how much more value your whole life is than just your eyes. But you know, the eyes are the, one of the most important things you have in one of the greatest gifts you have. But he said, you know, as compared to your life, your eyes are even nothing. And if we would take the Ten Commandments, how many of you have broken even one of the Ten Commandments. Some of you think you haven't? Okay, let's, let's do a quick check here. How many of you have ever told an itty-bitty lie? You know, you just, you fudged a little bit. Up, oh, up. Oh, okay, there goes most of us. How many of you have ever taken something that did not belong to you? The Bible, what does the Bible call that? If you steal things, he calls you a thief. Yeah. Moms and dads and grandmoms and grandpops, how many of us have lusted after money. You know, the Bible talks about the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. How many of you have ever done that, which God says it's like adultery? How many of you have ever been angry at somebody? I mean, you really got mad. They did something and it just, you were so mad about it. Yeah, you know what, Bible, what the Bible calls that? He said it's like murder. 
it's as bad as murder. Because all men, all women, all boys and all girls are created. They're made in the image of God. And when we get angry and we strike at that, it's like we're striking at the face of God. And God says, that's like murder. So we have all fallen short of the Ten Commandments. Every single one of us. We're hopeless unless someone comes to our aid. On Judgment Day, we know that we're going to be guilty. And you've just admitted it to me. You put your, We're guilty. But aren't you glad as we celebrated communion this morning? There is one when we were helpless, could do nothing about it, came and paid the price for that. And we're no longer guilty. He has taken those sins, those wrong things, that lying, that cheating, that stealing, that lust, that things of the world, that money hungering, that murder. Is that the Lord speaking or some kids playing? What is this? Whoa, that's powerful stuff, whatever whatever it is. Is everybody okay? Just uh, sit tight. We're going to be uh, okay. So Jesus died on the cross just to show us how much he loved us. And uh, we want to talk about that right now. The Bible says to us that we are a, rose, a royal priesthood, a chosen people. If people set aside for God's own purposes, now that's not everybody in the world. That's just those who have come to Jesus, whose sins are forgiven, who are in the family of God and should be walking with him. And this one I kind of do for the girls because um, here we're going to represent that with a beautiful pearl necklace, maybe a princess necklace, whatever you want to look at it. I'm just going to take it off of the, the deal there and show this beautiful pearl necklace, and uh, there it is. Now, we're a royal priesthood. Let's say there's a young lady who's gotten saved, and she's part of that royal family. But guys and boys, girls, moms and dads, there is that enemy who keeps after us. He never lets me alone, and he will never let you alone. And he will try to take that relationship we have with God. And we're just going to put it in here for like safekeeping. But you know what he's going to do? He is going to try to mess it up, to ruin it, to break it. Matter of fact, he will even try the best that he can. It's amazing what he will do. Take that messed up, beautiful necklace and mess us our, our lives up and... Uh, one day he'll just steal it from us. He wants to steal your relationship with God. He wants to make it vanish. He wants to take it away. He wants to ruin your walk with God. He wants to ruin your life. When he does that, what do we do? What does the Bible say? Pastor even mentioned this verse this morning. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what he does immediately? When we pray, when we ask, oh, Jesus, I know that I did this wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me of that. You know, in that very moment, he makes us, he just restores our relationship. The psalmist said he restores my soul and he will take us back. And there we go. He will give us that right, beautiful standing with him once again. So I want to illustrate this. 
Um, I'm going to show you a little board here, and I'm going to need a helper for this. Who did I? Jordan, where are you? I talked to you earlier. Jordan, I asked him to help me with this, so he's going to have to come up here. Uh, I just want to show you some random things here, and we're going to set this aside for a minute while Jordan helps us out. We have 16 squares with different colors, and we have a whole pile of numbers. That's just random and crazy. I'm just going to set that right there, but what I need you to do, Jordan... Hop up on here so everybody can see what you're going to do. I have four cards here. I'm going to show them to everyone first. We'll show them to you. Um, blue, green, red, yellow. All right. Now, what we're going to do, George, only you, you're the only guy that's going to see what's going on. Okay. I'm going to turn them around so nobody can see what the cards are. And at this point, you can't even see what they are. All right. So what I want you to do, I'm going to scramble them up because you saw how the order I had them in. I want you, Jordan. To pick one of those cards and then put it right against your chest so nobody can see what card you picked. Okay? Just pick any one. Okay. All right. All right. Now, you can look at that card, but don't show it to anyone else. Okay? All right? You got that card? And you know what it is? All right. What I want you to do is have a seat in the first row while I take this and show this to everybody. This is a magical dartboard, Jordan. It's amazing. And I'm going to give to you, well, Miss Dead, could you pick up the invisible darts and give a couple to him? Um, we need a few. Matter of fact, let's get, let's get two or three guys to throw the darts. Jordan's going to hang on to the card. So let's get the, yeah, these guys. Okay, three guys. Stand up here, guys. Three guys over here. And you're going to throw the invisible darts at the dartboard, and we'll see what you, you're first. Ready? Give it a good spin. Oh. I hate it when they drop, and then we have to clean up the church afterwards. Um, uh, all right, but good try. Have a seat. That's a, let, let's try a little more power. Okay, give it a second. Whoa! Oh, man. This guy doesn't. Yeah, we'll, we'll clean it up later. Pass. Don't worry. We'll, we'll clean it up. I okay, could, could you maybe just a medium thing? I want you to hit the dartboard. Okay, are you ready? Oh, great, great, great. You hit the dartboard. Now, I know it's an invisible dart, so I can't see what number you hit. What number did you hit? Fourteen. Oh, right there. He hit number 14. Okay. Wouldn't it be something if I was able to turn this dartboard around and we would count 14 of those random squares that we showed, and then that color, whatever we land on, is going to be exactly the same color as the card that he chose. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Huh? Right here is the random thing. Are you ready? Fourteen was the number. You picked the card. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So your invisible dart gave us the number fourteenth, and the fourteenth square is red. And Jordan, you need to stand up and show everybody whatever color that card is that you picked. It should be red. Is that right? It is red. Wow. Way to go, guys. Thanks for helping me. Let's have a hand for our helpers. We had a bunch of good guys here. Now, here's what I want you to understand here. This looked totally random. This looked like it was just happening. I mean, you could have chosen any number. Is that not right? You just chose 14, and I don't know why you did. I don't even see it. There it is. You just chose that number. You could have chosen any number you want. You could have chosen any color. Where'd he go? Oh, on here. You could have chosen any color, and and I'll tell you why. Even though it looked random, it looked like it was just craziness, 
It looked like scrambled colors all over the place and a bunch of numbers that didn't even relate to each other. There was someone in control of this the whole time. There was someone who was guiding what was happening. You could not see it. You couldn't understand it. You still don't understand it, but you know that it turned out right. Do you know what? Because somebody was in total control and that somebody was me. I know how to make this work. Listen, doesn't life seem like this sometimes, folks? We don't understand it. We don't know what is happening to us. We say, where is God when this is happening? It looks just crazy, bunch of scrambled numbers. And we have to realize that God is in control. We may not see his plan. We not, may not understand why we're going through a suffering, through, through a situation, through a disease. We may never understand that. But we have to understand that God is in control. God has a plan. We mentioned earlier, Jeremiah chapter 29 says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for evil. They are plans to give you a hope. They are plans to give you a future. And sometimes we don't see that. Things are going horrible at school. Things are going horrible in the job. There's family situations. There's strife everywhere we go. And we say, God, where are you? I want you to know. Life is not just a series of random things for the believer. There is one in control. He will bring you through. He has plans from you. We don't know what the plans are going to look like ten years from now. I know what the plan is for tomorrow morning. You want me to tell you what God's plan is for you tomorrow morning? It's not random. It's not scrambled. It's something we can understand according to His totally holy and easily understood Word. His plan for you tomorrow is to go to school, to go to work, to go wherever you will be tomorrow and live for Him. Be righteous. Do what is right. Listen to the Word of God. Obey Him because He is a plan. I don't see that plan in your life. I don't even see that plan in my life. I have no idea what God's plan was for Pastor Lee when he went under the knife this year. But God is working out a plan and restoring him to health. I know same thing happened to me in, in, in March of this year, February of this year. I went in for what was, we thought was a simple operation, and I ended up, uh, it wasn't so simple, and I have to go back and do it again this next year. And in the meantime, they found cancer. Isn't that great? I saw that list of people this morning that are suffering from this dread disease. Does this make sense to the human mind? Not a bit. Can we understand it? Not at all. But I know that there is a God who is in control, who is working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's you. That's me. And things are not random. And just like in this little trick with throwing imaginary invisible darts and choosing numbers and picking a color... I was in control because I understand how this thing works. And I want to tell you in your life, when things look the bleakest, that's when we turn to God and say, God, you are in control. I'm going to put my plans aside and seek you. What do you have for me now? And I'll tell you tomorrow morning what it is. Live for Jesus. Tuesday morning, live for Jesus. Wednesday, Thursday, live for Jesus. And his plans in your life will become evidence somewhere down the line. And you will see that all the things that he is bringing us through were for his glory, for his purpose, and for your good and for my good. Somebody say amen. This is what we believe. I need three other people to help me out for a little bit and show you how this works. I'll take you three guys on this side, okay?
<clears throat> and I want you to stand right down here in front of me so everybody can see. And guys, here's what I'm going to do. I have a series of papers here. See, I got gray, I got blue, I got yellow. They're all, here we go. And I got pink. Here we go. I'm going to give you the blue. All right. I'm going to give you the pink. I've got, you know what? Real men wear pink. <laughs> Never forget that. All right. I'm going to give you the yellow and I'm going to keep the gray. So here's what we're going to, every guy, hold your papers like this. Okay. So everybody, yeah, and turn around so everybody can see them and hold them up high so you're kind of like near my paper, okay? So now what they can, everybody can see four papers. Now here's what we're going to do. When life seems crazy and we think everything is being torn up, just watch what happens. Are you ready? Here we go, guys. Grab your paper and watch what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tear mine right down in half, okay? So tear yours right in half, okay? Here we go. We now have how many pieces of paper? Each of us have two pieces of paper. Okay, watch this. We're going to do it again. Put the one paper in front of the other. doesn't matter which one is the front, which is the back, and get ready. Are you ready? We're going to tear it again. Now how many pieces do we have? We have four, four pieces. Okay, now we need to make some color here for this little illusion. So take, take one of your blue and switch one pink. You guys trade one each. Okay, you do the same thing with the yellow. All right, now patch, patch them all up like this. Okay, just put them all in a row. Doesn't matter. Just so the colors are mixed because what we're trying to do here is bring some color to this deal. All right, and then I want you to hand me yours, please. Here we go. The whole deal. The whole deal. You don't get the, this is not a souvenir. Okay, <laughs> sorry. We, that's what we need. Some souvenirs and yours next. We'll take yours and we'll just put it right in here and yours next. And we're going to put it in here. You guys can sit down right on there because the rest, I'm just going to take this. And I want to show you what happens now when we follow the Lord and things are actually our lives have been ripped up in a lot of pieces. We don't understand what's going on. I just want you to watch as I start folding these pieces together. Try to mold them together. And squeeze them, and put them all together in one piece. And then I need to do something that might be a little magical looking. I need somebody, oh, just going to try to blend them all together. When life is all torn up and things look at their worst, can you just give me a little, little magical huff, all you guys right here? We go, just blow right there. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. Here's what I feel. But anyway, um, anyway, that's part of, part of the trick. All right. So what we would do is the Bible says he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter where your life has been. Talk to a man after the service this morning. He was the last one to leave. We talked for quite a while out there. Told me about his past. And he was really deeply into sin before he was saved. And he said, oh, I'm so glad to know. That the past doesn't matter at all. Amen. When we come to Christ and he forgives us of our sins, he takes all those ripped up pieces, all those things, and he changes it into the image of Jesus as we become like him more and more each day by obeying him. Remember I told you what to do Monday morning, what the will of God is for us tomorrow morning? Live for Jesus. Make Give him in all things, the Bible says, that he may have the preeminence. And what's next? Okay, one more thing on the same theme. I want to show you this.
We exchange our sin. You know, the whole deal is there's two choices that all men have to make. It's heaven or it's hell. Hell is a very real place that has been prepared for the devil and his angels and people go there who reject Christ. It's a sad but powerful truth that we have to understand. Jesus talked a lot more about this than he did about heaven. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when we know him? Wow. Look at this. There is no hell or condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We exchange the horror of sin for the blessing of being in the family of God. That's something we want you to remember. I want to tell you a quick story here. I need to see what our time is. Oh my goodness, time flies. I love time flies when you're having fun. I'm having fun. I I live for this. I love this. And I hope we're learning something along the way too that we can remember. But a story that I read many years ago, and I told this many years ago to a group of children in Pennsylvania. One of those children has now grown up and is at a place called Houghton College in New York. And he saw me this summer, and he said, you know what? I've been leading people to Christ by telling the story of Big Jim. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, oh, 10, 12 years ago, you told a story entitled Big Jim took his place. And I vaguely remembered, and he said, oh, that's still, I never forgot it. And I've had two or three people this summer tell me about this. So I looked up the story because, you know, you get to be 39 years old and you start forgetting stuff, you know. So here I am, 39, and and forgetting stuff. So I looked it up and I thought, oh, that's right. What a great illustration. So I learned the story of Big Jim again. This goes back over 100 years in the United States in the mountain schools where we didn't have the structure that you have in your schools today, and nor did we have it there over 100 years ago. And there was this remote town that had a school with a, with a bunch of young people, children, who would never behave. They wanted to live their own way. They wanted to do their own thing. They would never obey the rules. And the, ch- the children were driving the teachers crazy. And I read that in this town, most of the teachers lasted about two weeks and then quit. Until one day, finally they got a teacher who came in and the kids thought this was going to be the greatest thing they ever heard. The teacher said, well, I've heard about your problems. I know about your school. So here on day one, I'm going to tell you there are going to be no rules. And the kids cheered and clapped and jumped up and down. And for a couple days, there were no rules. Nobody learned anything. Nothing got done. As a matter of fact, fights broke out and teacher wouldn't stop it. But there's no rule against fighting. Well, yeah, you can hit him. You know, I don't. And kids started to say, wait a minute, teacher, we need a couple rules. And one kid got up one day, his name was Big Jim. He said, teacher, we need some rules. Someone is stealing my lunch every day. And I'm not getting, we want some rules. And the teacher said, well, no, I told you, we weren't going to have any rules. You drove all those teachers away and, you know, we're just going to do it different. There's no teacher, please give us some rules. And she said, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll let you make up the rules. 
And we're going to take this blackboard over here and we're going to write the rules out here and then we'll decide what the penalty should be if you break those rules. A big Jim stands up. He says, okay, rule number one, you can't steal lunch. So, so the teacher went over and wrote down, no stealing lunch. And what should the penalty be? And they decided that the penalty should be four hard lashes on the bare back with a strap. This was over 100 years ago. And the teacher wrote it down. Four hard lashes. What other rules should there be? Well, there shouldn't be hitting. They shouldn't be allowed to hit. Okay, no hitting. What should the rules, uh, the rule be? No hitting. What should the penalty be? And they went through all of the rules and she put them on the board and she said, now remember children, these are your rules. I didn't tell you, you have to live this way. You decided that this is the best way to live. So we're going to do that. Well, wasn't it just two days later, Big Jim comes back after lunch break and he says, teacher, somebody stole my lunch again and I'm hungry. My lunch is gone. The teacher started asking and going around the room and investigating who might have stolen the lunch. It turned out to be the scrawniest little kid named Billy who came from a very poor home. And they had just run out of money at the end of the month. He did not have lunch. And he was the one who had been stealing Big Jim's lunch. Little Billy stood up and confessed that he did it. And the teacher went over and said, well, I hate this. I didn't want any rules. You said you wanted rules. And now look, stealing lunch, four hard lashes on the back. Billy, come up here and take your shirt off. Billy came up to the front. He took his shirt off. And he bent over the teacher's desk and the teacher took the belt. And just as teacher was raising that belt ready to give him his four lashes, Big Jim stood up and he said, wait, teacher, wait. The rule doesn't say who has to take the punishment. And Big Jim had some kind of mercy and love for little Billy that who knows where it came from. He said, teacher, let me take his punishment for him. And teacher said, well, the rule's done. Yet you can do that. You can take his place. Big Jim came to the front. And little Billy, who had already had the tears in his eyes, was looking at amazement as, as Big Jim took his shirt off and laid down over the teacher's desk. And the teacher took that strap and knew the punishment had to be paid. Right there it was. Had to be paid. The teacher took that belt and slammed it into Big Jim's back four times until it was so hard even Big Jim had tears in his eyes. Little Billy stood there trembling and just looking and watching this. He never forgot the day that Big Jim took his place. Listen, kids. That's a story that something happened in a mountain town over a 100 years ago. But you know what? 2,000 years ago... Somebody took your place. There were rules that God himself had made. And guess what? About ten minutes ago, we all put our hands up and admitted that we broke them. Somebody had to be punished. God said, here's the rule. Here's the penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die for sin. And it was you and me because we committed those sins. But isn't it amazing? Jesus shows up on earth and he says, wait a minute. Oh, God, 
there's a way that they don't have to pay that penalty. Let me take their place. And that's why he went to the cross. That's why he died to pay the penalty of death there on the cross for you and me. He took our place. Imagine that. The same way that Big Jim took little Billy's place. That's what Jesus has done for us. Have you come to him? Everyone who has asked him to forgive them of their sins, guess what happens in that split second? All of our sin is gone. Bible says it's buried in the depths of the deeper sea. We don't even have any idea how deep that is yet. And with all our science, we still don't know. Bible says that it is as far as the east is from the west. No man can calculate that. You can't find the smartest mathematician in the world to figure out how far that is. Because if you start heading west, you'll just keep heading west forever. There's no end. Our sins are taken that far away. They're gone. Bible says that God forgets about them. That's why we can be born into his family. That's the second thing that happens. Number one, our sins are gone. Number two, we're born into his family immediately. Number three, Jesus introduces us to God the Father as his child. And we can live the rest of our life and all of eternity. Knowing that he holds us and he loves us and he's looking out for us and he will hold us and keep us. Because Jesus took our place. Have you asked Jesus to forgive you your sin? Has he come into your life? Then that's your standing. That's where we are. Jesus took our place, took our punishment, so that we wouldn't have to do that. Our time is up. And I, I boy, you've listened, you guys up front especially, but all the children everywhere that I see you, you've been so super great. So I just want to show one final thing. I like to do, this is my favorite little thing. This reminds me of a a plaque that my mom and dad hung in our house when I was about your age. And it said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Just like Sam Lord's castle and all the riches, they just went away in the fire. Because all the things that he built in this life were gone in a flash. But that that you and I do, serving the Lord Jesus, is forever. And the rest of the things, well, I just want you to watch this. The, the, The secret to this is that you watch this silk wherever it goes. If it goes in this hand, your eyes come over here. goes in this hand, it goes up there, up, down. It doesn't matter where this silk goes. Keep your eyes on the silk. Because something very happens. Crazy is going to happen uh, with the silk as you watch it. Okay, we're just going to maybe try to hide the silk. But you know it's still there. Right? The illusion is coming. That we're going to take this silk. I'm just going to put it right between my thumb and my fingers. You still see it, right? We're going to put it in there as deeply as we possibly can. Only one life. Will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ is last. Will last. The rest is like dross. It goes. It vanishes. It's for nothing. It will end up as nothing. Because are you ready? You keeping your eyes? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, and it's gone. Life kind of goes like that too. So kids, remember to live for Jesus. That's what He wants you to do tomorrow and uh, tonight. Thank you for your patience, for your time, and listening real good tonight. You know, I have one more song. I did prepare two songs. Do we have...
chance to play one more song. Um, I want to leave you with a song uh, that is kind of my testimony. I thought about all the songs. There's many that I've loved through the years. But uh, this arrangement I even like because it's a lot of fun to do on the trumpet. But um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I will not trust the sweetest frame, the sweetest ideas, the most enticing things that the world will throw. But only lean on Jesus' name, for on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So let me say goodbye, literally, with this song. All right, fellas, you can go out and play that one, if you will. should pay this guy. It was excitement. <laughs> oh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest dream, but only lean on Jesus. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is just sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand.